And unlike another woman in this race, I actually love spending time with my husband. Oh, man. Wow. Very presidential. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Not scared. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio's KPFK in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast. As heard on 90.7 FM in LA, up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, and 106.7 FM KSO in Cozy Cottage Grove. Out in Pennsylvania on WLRI in Lancaster. Out in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. And now up in Minnesota on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And of course, coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, and of course, Radio Sputnik. Five days a week, I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, an all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling, action-packed adventure. And yes, once again, it is our special debate coverage here on the Bradcast. Last night, 10 remaining GOP presidential candidates met in Charleston, South Carolina, for their first debate of 2016, sponsored by the Fox Business Channel and, once again, including two different debates. For some reason, there was the kitty table debate, the undercard debate, whatever you want to call it, earlier in the evening with just the three candidates. That would be uh, a failed businesswoman Carly Fiorina, former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee, and former Senator Rick Santorum. Current Senator Rand Paul chose not to participate after being relegated along with Fiorina back down to the undercard and the main debate featuring Donald Trump. Uh, I, should I call him failed businessman Donald Trump? I don't know. Failed. I guess he's succeeding. Senator De- Ted Cruz, Senator Marco Rubio, former Florida Governor Jeb Bush, current Ohio Governor John Kasich, current New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and some guy named Dr. Ben Carson. Uh, We will be joined shortly by my guests today to try and make some sense of it all, as the song says, if there is any sense to be made, frankly, of the GOP 2016 primary race at this point, with uh, the first voting finally, finally set to begin in Iowa just about two weeks from today. But if you uh, if you couldn't stand to make it through the two hour plus main stage debate, much less the earlier two hour kitty table debate salon, uh, our friends over there have made it very uh, have very helpfully uh, tried to recap the entire two hour main debate in about three minutes. So uh, here you go. Officially kicks off. 
Let me say thank you to the state of South Carolina for welcoming us. If you're worried about the world being on fire, you cannot give Hillary Clinton a third term of Barack Obama's leadership. I will not do that. If I'm the nominee, she won't get within 10 miles of the White House. Hillary Clinton would be a national security disaster. She wouldn't just be a disaster. Hillary Clinton is disqualified from being Commander-in-Chief of the United States. Someone who cannot handle intelligence information appropriately cannot be Commander-in-Chief. In that State of the Union, President Obama didn't so much as mention the 10 sailors that had been captured by Iran. Well, I'm very happy to get a question this early on. I was going to ask you to wake me up when the time came. <laughs> War is very different than it used to be before. They explode the bomb, we have an electromagnetic pulse, they hit us with a cyber attack simultaneously, and dirty bombs. But that fellow next to you, Donald Trump, and others, have said that being born in Canada means you are not natural born, and that has raised questions about your eligibility. I'm glad we are focusing on the important topics of the evening. There was nothing to this birther issue. Since September, the Constitution hasn't changed. <laughs> but the poll numbers have. Who the hell knows if you can even serve in office? So you should go out, get a declaratory judgment, let the courts decide, and you why shouldn't you, have mentioned the polls because I would have been much but different. Why now? Why are you raising this issue now? Because now he's doing a little bit better. No, I didn't care before. It's true. No, it's true. I hate to interrupt this episode of Court TV, but the real... <laughs> I think we have to get back to what this election has to be about, okay? This, this president, this president is more interested in funding, uh, less interested in funding the military than he is in funding Planned, than he is, he's more interested in funding Planned Parenthood than he is in funding the military. And you can join us. I think most people know exactly what New York values are. Socially liberal or pro-abortion or pro-gay marriage, focus around money and the media. When the World Trade Center came down, I saw something that no place on earth could have handled more beautifully, more humanely than New York. Your comments about banning Muslims from entering the country created a firestorm. According to Facebook, it was the most talked about moment online of your entire campaign. Is there anything you've heard that makes you want to rethink this position? No. When I'm president of the United States, we are going to win this war on ISIS. And if we capture any of them alive, they are getting a one-way ticket to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. We need to control the border. We need to do all of this in a comprehensive way. Not just going back and forth and talking Would about you stuff. you answer this question? Oh, I'll talk about that too. But you haven't asked me a question in a while, Neil, so I thought I'd get that off my chest. Yeah. No, here's what I'm saying. China. China. I love China. Chinese people. What he's touching, talking about, I think, has got merit. China. Entire soybean production goes, the, the equivalent of it goes to China. I saw you on the Senate floor flip your vote on crop insurance because they told you it would help you in Iowa. And last week we all saw you flip your vote on ethanol in Iowa for the same reason. That is not consistent conservatism. That is political calculation. BenCarson.com. We will heal, inspire, and revive America for our children. Well, there you go. Good night, everyone. Thank you. That uh, that was a, a, not a bad recap, I think, of, of that debate uh, on Thursday night in South Carolina. Joining us to, to give an even better recap of the debate are my guests today, are both returning champions. Uh, the great Heather Digby Parton is here, otherwise known as simply Digby from Digby's Hullabaloo blog. 
The uh, indefatigable Heather is also a contributing writer at Salon and a recipient of the 2014 Hillman Foundation Prize for Opinion and Analysis Journalism. And she's also one of the co-founders of the venerable Blue America PAC which has endorsed Bernie Sanders, I believe, or at least is raising money for him, though she has not done so personally. Do I still have that right, Heather? You do. Okay, good. I tried to recap (laughs) it for you this time. Welcome back. Great to have you here. Thank you. Also joining us, Fred Carger, formerly a Republican political consultant, gay rights activist, and a 2012 candidate for the Republican presidential nomination. He didn't win it. He has worked on nine presidential campaigns. He has served as a senior consultant to the campaigns of Presidents Ronald Reagan and Gerald Ford, and then uh, worked as an activist on gay rights causes, investigating the Mormon Church and the uh, National Organization for Marriages Collusion in uh, California Prop Twenty, uh, Prop Eight, and so much more. To uh, that was uh, meant to repeal the same-sex marriage law out here in California. And, of course, his uh, run for the 2012 nomination made him the first openly gay presidential candidate from uh, either of the two major political parties in American history. You can check out more on Fred Carger in the documentary film Fred. Hey, Fred Carger, welcome back to the broadcast, my friend. Thanks very much. Uh, Great to have you here. So, Fred, you were actually at the debate in Las Vegas uh, a couple of weeks ago, but uh, you couldn't make it out to South Carolina, or you are not welcome past the uh, past the border. <laughs> well, it kind of brings back a lot of memories and my attempt uh, about mm-hmm. four and a half years ago to get in the very first Republican debate when, as you mentioned, I was running, which was in uh, South Carolina, and Fox News uh, mm-hmm. had broadcast that but refused to let me in as they did later so i decided to sit this one out but it was fun to be in vegas and sit through that long double debate schedule uh, even as a, a spectator gotcha well uh fun i maybe relative at this point i don't know also joining us of course as always our producer uh desi doyan is here with us in studio how are yes, you desi yes yes i am here did you get any sleep between those uh the, the hours of debate oh and hell no okay well, good. Uh, you don't need any sleep. You're better without oh, that's sleep all right. than anybody else. All right. Uh, now, guys, I admit that I was not able to watch, uh, other than a few clips from the kitty table debate. I don't know if either of uh, of you guys, uh, Fred or Heather, uh, did. Uh, d- were you guys able to watch that debate? Yes. Y- you did. Okay. Uh, c- can you tell me what, if anything, I missed, Fred Carger? And then we'll give <laughs> and then we'll give you a, a chance at this, Heather. Oh. We all missed Lindsey Graham, who's the only candidate, former candidate now, who has a sense of humor. So he always made that undercard debate a little more lively. But mm-hmm. with Santorum, Carly Fiorina, and um, Huckabee, it was pretty, pretty dis- uh, disturbing and uh, depressing. So, yeah, not much said. It was this. Santorum's gotten pretty good at playing to the crowd. Mm-hmm. Huckabee's not, but uh, Carly's just that angry... Um, person who's just very kind of sad to see but um, couldn't happen to a, a nicer woman so yeah <laughs> she well, disturbed but it's just it's <laughs> it, you know and then that Rand paul snubbed the debate was mm-hmm. kind of interesting the first candidate to to do that so um it was not much but it was a good little warm-up and kind of fun for us political junkies to watch these three dismal candidates kind of go <laughs> at it and not really at each other and not really know what to do at this point. They're all out of it. So 
Was there anything uh, newsworthy, uh, Heather uh, Fiorina? I know invoked uh, Hillary Clinton in both her opening and closing statements, kicking off the debate by saying, as you heard in the opening quote there, unlike any, unlike another woman in this race, I actually love spending time with my husband, she said. Uh, and apparently the question was, what is your assessment of the economy right now? <laughs> no. Well, you know, Carly is such a lovely person. You know, she's she just is. so, she has such a graceful personality. And, and, and she's, just, she's just such a great, a great, wonderful politician that's so likable in every way. Yeah, that was really kind of the highlight for me. I have to, I have to endorse what Fred said. This was a very grim debate without Lindsey Graham. I, I missed him. So I even missed George Pataki. Wow. <laughs> you know, it was like just seeing Huckabee, Carly, and Rick Santorum. They're kind of grimly gritted teeth <laughs> railing against everything. It was just, ooh, you know, I felt really kind of dirty afterwards, and 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 afraid. I mean, very, very afraid because, in their view, if you were to just watch that, you landed on this planet or knew nothing about American politics, you literally would think that America was in. It's like Mad Max. I mean, it is that bad. We are in a complete, chaotic, dystopian um, hellhole, and, mm-hmm. and and there's and you know there's there's not much they they could even offer to get us out of it except more violence. Um, I did want to point out one thing though about the the Carly quote, and I think it's important to remember this. Um, back in the beginning of this long baton death march of a primary, um, Carly. <laughs> received a bunch of money from Ted Cruz's super PAC. It was revealed in one of the early um mm-hmm. one of the early, you know, donor lists that yeah. they that they released. And she received and it was a lot. It was like half a million bucks. It was, it was a lot of money. And everybody went, What the heck is that about? And um it turned out uh, according to the New York Times that one of Ted Cruz's financial uh ed- or one of the super PAC's financial advisors said they were doing it because they needed to keep uh fearing in the race so that she could attack Hillary Clinton, you know, from the perspective of mm. a woman and could get away with doing that kind of stuff. So she has a job to do. Basically, she's a hired gun uh, and, you know, a hired character yeah. assassin. And I think she was just kind of doing her job last night. I mean, that, would, that, that whole issue around the Clinton marriage has been all over the media, and it was going to be trouble for them, you know, how they were going to approach this in the debate. I think a lot of people wondered uh, how they would how they would deal with it. And in fact, in the main stage debate, they threw it to Ben Carson, who just wandered off and started speaking some kind of gibberish about some other topic, and that was that. But Carly got her dig in, and I think that that was that was important. And she's doubled down on it today, saying, "Yes, if I if if my husband did to me what Bill Clinton did to Hillary Clinton, I would have left him." And I thought, "Oh, Carly." Don't go there, because there's a whole story about her marriage, you you, you know, the (laughs) fact that she was married when she met her husband, and so was he, and it's not a pretty story, and and it's none of my business, and I don't care, it's the least of Carly Fiorina's problems, I mean, the fact that she destroyed one of America's great companies single-handedly and in a very short period, I I really think that's more relevant to her (laughs) race as president, but... Well, uh, you know, if she's going to go there, I think that somebody's probably going to start, you know, on that stuff, too. And then here we go again. Fred, uh, Fred Carger, I, uh, as I was jotting down uh, some notes, I realized that, God, all of my questions to you as a Republican, as a former uh, presidential candidate, sort of all of my questions uh, kind of end with, do Republicans really believe that? Uh, so do Republicans really believe or or is it true, uh, Fred, in Republican circles that 
attacks somehow on Hillary and Bill Clinton, her husband, her relationship, uh, that 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 is either effective uh, or uh, even relevant here at this point when you're talking about Hillary Clinton. It's not Bill Clinton who's running. It's Hillary Clinton. Do, Do Republicans still think that is effective and uh, actually fair ground at this point well you're even seeing her main democratic rival doing it now so yes i think it's uh, very relevant and uh, the problems with the clinton administration was uh, you know, ended on a bad note because of his misconduct and so yeah i think that is is relevant it what it does brad is bring up all the clinton baggage so you can just kind of touch on it and there's a generation who has no recollection of that, but for a lot of us older voters that remember, I think it's important. And, you know, she is very polarizing within the Republican Party. uh, Trump has, Mm -hmm. I think, been the most successful at that. The Ted Cruz super PAC should be supporting him since he's uh, (laughs) more effective, I think, going after Hillary than Carly, certainly a bigger platform. And I have to, I can't let you get away. Who? You're saying her main rival? You're saying Bernie Sanders is somehow going after her on, on her relationship? Not on the relationship, but just starting to go after her, taking the gloves off a little bit, which, of course, is upsetting the Clinton camp. But it depends on who took it off first. He said he would run a positive campaign, but that can only go so far, particularly when it gets as tight as it is. And we're going to probably see a couple upsets and deja vu all over again well, for the inevitable candidate. Well, you know, if Fair enough that uh, they are starting to go at each other a little bit, but certainly not on the the, the Hillary uh, and Bill, not not on a personal level at this point in any case, not on their marriage. But as long as you invoked uh, uh, Bernie Sanders there, uh, let me just uh, play this. I think this was from last night, Bill O'Reilly. Um, because this came up uh, during the debate, John Kasich was, you know, delighted about the notion of running against uh, uh, Bernie Sanders. But in any event, uh, Bill O'Reilly, and we'll get to that later. But Bill O'Reilly um, may just have given me, and I should note that uh, neither I nor uh, uh, Desi Doyen at this point have endorsed any uh, candidate or That's supporting right. any. Uh, but Bill O'Reilly may have given me a reason to endorse Bernie Sanders. Here he was, and and you know, look. I'm fleeing. If Bernie Sanders gets elected president, I'm fleeing. I'm going to <laughs> Ireland, and they already know it. So uh, there you go. Feel the burn. <laughs> All of a sudden, I feel like I I want to support Bernie Sanders. I don't know. All right, listen. Let let's uh, let's take a quick break here. We'll come back with uh, some clips, mostly well, a lot on this this uh, Trump versus Cruz matchup because that seems to be where this entire fine mess is going. Maybe. But maybe things might change once people, you know, start voting. We're going to take a quick break and we will come back with my guests, Fred Carger and Heather Digby-Parton. And, of course, Desi Doyen and myself, Brad Friedman, right here on the broadcast on our special coverage of the latest GOP debate. Please stay tuned. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Well, I'm very happy to get a question this early on. I was going to ask you to wake me up when the time came. <laughs> um. 
Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with you here uh, with our special uh, coverage of Thursday night's GOP debate in South Carolina with my guest Heather Digby Parton of uh, of Salon and former presidential candidate Fred Carger. Okay, uh, guys, uh, the fight now at this point, at least until people start uh, uh, actually, you know, voting seems to be generally narrowed down to uh, Trump versus Cruz. There's a little bit of uh, Rubio uh, versus Cruz, Rubio versus Christie as they sort of jockey for third place. Uh, we'll, we'll get into the uh, we've got some of the audio of their uh, the, the, the birther debate and uh, some other stuff between Cruz between Cruz and Trump. But uh, Heather, uh, the field will narrow. Someone will gather support to take on Trump. Uh, right now, it's looking like it's uh, it's Ted Cruz. He seems to be uh, finding sort of, I, I don't want to call it a middle ground in that party, but that's sort of what it seems to be uh, between uh, uh, Donald Trump and uh, the establishment Republicans and the establishment which hates him seems to be warming up to the idea of uh, of Ted Cruz. So will uh, is is Ted Cruz now looking like an actual alternative to Donald Trump or will one of these other guys Marco Rubio or Chris Christie or Jeb Bush uh, be able to rise after voting happens? Well, I mean think of it this way. Look at imagine if this race, you know, was just a normal race among, you know, varying people in the in the the Republican party. You would look at Trump and Cruz and their poll numbers and say, yeah, this is the big rivalry. And it would be more about, you know, who, which candidate is going to take from the guys when they start dropping out after Iowa and New Hampshire, mm-hmm. rather than which one's going to inherit the inevitable fall of one of these top two. I mean, you and I said in the day, I think we talked on the day that Trump yep. announced or the day after, and both yep. of us were quite convinced from the very beginning that he was serious and had a good chance to mm-hmm. get to go all the way here because he is you know he's a unique figure so that doesn't surprise us what is surprising to the establishment is that very fact that trump has managed to hang on their assumption was that there would be you know quote i mean this is now just such an old saw i'm ashamed to even be using it but there would be two lanes you know the establishment lane mm-hmm. and the outsider mm-hmm. lane and that either Trump or Cruz would inhabit one, and then one of the the real candidates, Rubio, Bush, right. Christie, Kasich, you know, one of those guys would emerge. It's still theoretically possible. Nobody's voted yet, so we don't know what's going to happen. But if you just look at the polling numbers, that just does not no longer seems to make sense. What does make sense now is that the establishment is in the process of having to come to terms with one of those two lunatics being their choice for the establishment lane. And what are, we, what are they going to do? How, how do they choose between them? And that is a very, very interesting question. My personal belief is that they will, in, in the end, reluctantly, and holding their noses with, you know, <laughs> um, you know uh, mm-hmm. clothespins uh, clothes right. <laughs> to vote for Cruz. Um, because I think that they still might see him as kind of a party man and perhaps someone who is still subject to, I mean, if nothing else, he still needs the big money that comes from the, the billionaires. 
which is something that Trump doesn't have. So that's my sense, but I don't know. I mean, it could go either way. Rich Lowry's now going back and forth on a daily basis saying that he, um, you know, one day he thinks it's going to be Trump and the next day he thinks it's going to be Cruz. Well, you know, we also have seen in a number of recent polls, if you pay attention in New Hampshire, you do see guys who, you know, you, you might have regarded them as uh, not having a chance, but guys like John Kasich, even Jeb Bush and Chris Christie showing up in the the number three slot in, uh, in New Hampshire. At the same time, 65% of Republican voters now say that they could see themselves supporting Trump, according to a new NBC News Wall Street Journal poll. That's a new high. So people who thought uh, Trump, you know, that it was a joke could never happen. You're right, Heather, you and I, on the day that Trump announced, came on this show and said, yeah, he's speaking uh, for Republicans. This is what has become of the Republican Party. But Fred Carger, as someone who uh, you claim you are still a part of this Republican Party. Is there anyone who can take who, who takes on Trump other than, I guess, Ted Cruz when the field when and if the field finally narrows? And how do they do it? Can a moderate like and I, I have to put that word in quotes at this point, but a moderate like Bush or Christie or Rubio or Kasich, can they find enough support amongst whatever is left of the Republican Party? Or is this just now uh, Trump Cruz end of story? You know, I think your forecast on Trump might have been wishful thinking at the time because nobody really took him seriously. Uh, we did, him. Fred. We did. Uh, here <laughs> on the break, we took party. him very seriously. Go ahead. I, I certainly didn't. I thought he'd be a flash in the pan and was quite surprised. And so I think what you're seeing now, I disagree a little bit, uh, Digby, is that we're seeing people, the, the far right, coalesce around Ted Cruz. And, and they've actually been pretty organized, as Bob Vanderplatz, James Dobson, um, Tony Perkins, National Organization for Marriage, all these groups have met secretly to try and determine you know, their one pick so they wouldn't get spread out, and, and they pick Cruz. And, and that's helped propel him in Iowa. And he's, of course, always been a good fundraiser and always gotten a lot of support, and he's a pretty good speaker communicator. Uh, he's in some hot water, though, over two big issues, the Goldman Sachs loan and the uh, birther issue, which is kind of coming around to haunt him now. So We'll see how those play out the next couple weeks in Iowa, but presumably he wins Iowa or comes in a strong second to Trump, and then I think you'll see in New Hampshire where that, that the, the moderates, the more reasonable, the more establishment Republicans, Bush, Christie, Kasich, and, and even Rubio to some extent, then become the alternative uh, to, to Cruz. And so you know, Trump is going to be in this thing for the long haul, and suddenly may become a little more of an establishment candidate. I think people in the Republican establishment are getting a little more accepting of him, particularly when you see a Cruz who's just a total lunatic and really disliked. Um, when you look at Senate colleagues coming out against him, which is you know, never really happens, and even Mitch McConnell, he's just he's so disliked in the but, business community in Texas. and uh, So are you suggesting, Fred, yeah, I mean, they they really do not like Ted Cruz, and I, I find it somewhat amusing, I guess a lot amusing, that uh, both of the two frontrunners right now, Trump and Cruz, are kind of despised by the establishment. But do you see any possible way? I mean, is, is there anybody on that stage uh, last night, Fred Carger, from your own party that you could actually support and that you think actually has some pathway to the nomination? 
And if so, who? Yeah, I'm kind of, uh, my candidate didn't run. I like Joe Biden, so um, as <laughs> well, Republican, uh, but <laughs> I'm going to wait and see on this. There are a lot that I can eliminate, but there are certainly some that are a little more attractive. Um, I'm also uh, sent a little money to Gary Johnson, who I met and became good friends with four years ago when he was Republican mm-hmm. as a libertarian, which is uh, who I voted for last time out of uh, dissatisfaction with our former nominee, Mitt Romney. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this thing flushes out. It's, it's you know, politics is very exciting in a presidential year, and I think uh, we have contests on both sides now. So it's very interesting, and, and we'll flush out. But it's going to be up to these early primaries uh, to see, and caucuses, to see who has the staying power. Waiting that's for... the tough part, because once you get through South Carolina and Nevada and then have to go to Super Tuesday, it's going to be um, a free-for-all. And so it's going to be up for who's got the money, who's got the organizations, who's been working in these states to try and and carry forward. Well, let's look at this uh, since you raised the uh, birtherism issue here. This uh, took up a a lot of time of the debate yesterday, this uh, back and forth between Trump and Cruz on a number of issues, particularly on whether Ted Cruz is eligible to run for president. Let's play uh, play a bit of that exchange. Uh, Trump and uh, Cruz facing off on uh, whether he is, in fact, a natural-born citizen and whether that is a settled matter. Well, Neil, I'm glad we are focusing on the important topics of the evening. You know, back in September, uh, my friend Donald said that he had had his lawyers look at this from every which way. And there was no issue there. There was nothing to this birther issue. Now, (laughs) since September, the Constitution hasn't changed. The child of a U.S. citizen born abroad is a natural-born citizen. If a soldier has a child abroad, that child is a natural-born citizen. That's why John McCain, even though he was born in Panama, was eligible to run for president. At the end of the day, the legal issue is quite straightforward, but I would note that the birther theories that Donald has been relying on, some of the more extreme ones, insist that you must not only be born on U.S. soil, but have two parents born on U.S. soil under that theory, not only would I be disqualified, Marco Rubio would be disqualified, Bobby Jindal would be disqualified, and interestingly enough, Donald J. Trump would be disqualified. (laughs) Donald's mother was born in Scotland. She was naturalized. Now, Donald... But I was born here. On the issue of citizenship, Donald... Big difference. On the issue of citizenship, Donald... I'm not going to use your mother's birth against you. (laughs) Because it wouldn't work. I would suggest we focus on who's best prepared to be commander-in-chief, because that's the most important question facing the country. Here's the problem. We're running, we're running. He does great. I win. I choose him as my vice presidential candidate, and the Democrats sue because we can't take him along for the ride. I don't like that, okay? The fact is, no, they don't like that he beats the rest of the field because they want me. But, but, if for some reason, Neil, he beats the rest of the field, I already know the Democrats are going to be bringing a suit. You have a big lawsuit over your head while you're running, and if you become the nominee, who the hell knows if you can even serve in office? But why now? Why are you raising this issue now? Because now he's doing a little bit better. No, I didn't care before. It's true. No, it's true. 
was, and in fact, a lawsuit has been brought as of this morning by an 84-year-old man in Houston, Texas, on on this matter. Uh, uh, Digby, is is this birther thing uh, for real here? Is is this an? Um, Cruz says, "I'm glad we're focusing on the important issues, but is this an important issue?" You mean in 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 the real world as opposed to Republican bizarro world? No, it's not an important issue. Ted Cruz is an American that, you know, anybody, if, if we were living in any other time, this would not be an issue except maybe in the very far reaches of the fever swamps. But, you know, Cruz was not a guy who was exactly crusading against uh, Donald Trump's uh, previous effort to, you know, uh, Prove that the current president was a uh, was an uh, you know a usurper in the in the White House and mm-hmm. should not have been elected because of his foreign birth. So it's hard to feel any pity for him. I think that the most important thing about that though is is that there are a couple of things that are going on here. The subtext of this battle between the two of them. Donald Trump is trying to portray Ted Cruz as not a real American. And he's doing it in a number of ways. He said, you know, he, he said he was an evangelical, but, hey, gee, I haven't seen many evangelicals come out of Cuba. Right. And if that was a weird non sequitur, you know, kind of what, what the heck are you talking about? He, this whole thing with him saying that, that Cruz is, you know, wasn't legitimately, uh, isn't a legitimate candidate because he wasn't born in this country. All of this, the whole subtext of that is that, you know, let's face it, his name is Cruz, right? And Donald Trump is the guy who wants to deport mostly anybody with the name Cruz from the United States of America. So that's working on some kind of subliminal level, I think, on, on Trump supporters. I don't, I don't think it really, that part of it doesn't affect people who don't already think that way. But I think that's part of what he's saying. And, and he's doing it in a way, Donald Trump is the greatest concern troll the world has ever produced. <laughs> this idea that he is coming out and saying, hey, look, it's no big deal to me. I have. I don't need to win this way. Right. I'm worried about Ted, my good, my good pal Ted. Yeah, I'm worried that if I choose my good friend Ted to be vice president, that we're going to have this problem down the road. I'm only looking out for him. Did, I mean, it's the most lugubrious, over-the-top line did, of BS did, did, did you I notice, have ever heard. Do you know he doesn't even say, "I'm worried that if he becomes our nominee for president, that well, he'll that's be out challenged." Of the question. He's, that uh, could yes. never happen. He might be my <laughs> vice president, yeah. and then it would be a problem. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, but I don't know. You know, Lawrence Tribe. Uh, this is, they talked about him last night. He's the Harvard Law professor. He is no right winger. Uh, he says that this is not a settled issue. That it is not uh, not at all. I've looked back at some of the Supreme Court uh, decisions on this. I mean, there is no uh, there there is no hard ruling one way or another uh, uh, from the court of or in the Constitution of whether you actually are a natural born citizen. Um, and, you know, if, if you're born abroad uh, to an American parent, um, you have to go back to 1898, the U.S. versus Wong Kim Ark, actually, to make any sense of this. And, um, well, I, I don't know. I think this might be more of an issue than, than you think, at least as far as nipping at his heels. Here was Lawrence Tribe last night on CNN saying, no, this... This, uh, Ted Cruz did not put, put that issue to bed at all. He hasn't really put it to bed. If he did put it to bed, he's certainly sleeping alone. Because <laughs> real serious scholars think there's a serious question. It's just, it's just obvious. 
I think what's really interesting is that he's much more interested in kind of playing games, sticking daggers into people who are criticizing him, but it makes... You know, it makes a good talking point. But most of what he said is nonsense. I mean, all of these examples about Rubio and Jindal are simply distractions. He says the Constitution, you know, I think he said hasn't changed since September. Of course not. But the question of how you interpret that document isn't a joke. It isn't funny. It matters a lot. And in fact, uh, that was Lawrence Tribe, Harvard law professor, Ted Cruz's former law professor, in fact. And he he, he was not a Hillary Clinton supporter in that he, he uh, actually supported Obama and at the same time has led a court fight to stop uh, President Obama's uh, clean power plan. Uh, any, anything here at all, Fred, does this only work amongst the base, or, or is this a real problem in, in uh, potentially in a general election? Well, Digby nailed it. It's just to bring up the whole Hispanic thing with Cruz and, and raise doubt about him. But, no, it, that was always one of my contentions with Obama during the 2008 campaign. Why did they didn't have a birth certificate? Then it's a moot point. If his mother was an American, then he's an American. Even if his, if he was born in another country or his father's not American. That's just the way natural-born citizens, citizenry works. So with McCain, with Romney, uh, just as they mentioned. So, no, it's not an issue, but it's very smart of Trump. I don't know if it's Trump himself or his advisors. The guy has an uncanny political instinct to go after his opponents and to just put them down. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still, I, every time I think about it, I laugh over the Hillary Clinton bathroom line. I mean, that, you know, the day afterward was just, just brilliant. Um, How it was up, disgusting, disgusting that disgusting, she was using the bathroom to, during the debate, yeah. Right, who would think of Hillary Clinton on the can? I mean, but now, every time <laughs> I see her, I do. Or the day Bill starts campaigning for her, you know, he just, bam, he, he comes with a, a knockout punch against him. So the guy is really talented as a campaigner. Well, can, can I just point out something about that that I yeah. think I think you're absolutely right. I, I agree with you. His his instincts are great, but he's advised by one person in particular who I think is the genius behind much of that, and it's Roger Stone. You know him, Fred. You guys know him, Brad and Destiny. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Roger Stone is one of the all-time great. I mean, you know, he was a, what they called the original, you know, rat effer. Right. Uh, going all the way back to Nixon, yep. and this guy's been involved in this kind of kind of underhanded, dirty dealing from, you know, for thirty, forty years. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about Trump is that Trump just says it out loud. I mean, this is usually whisper stuff, right? I mean, this is Canuck letter kind of stuff. This is the stuff you hear, you know, reporters kind of chuckling about in the back in the back room, and it just only works its way through some circuitous mm-hmm. process that you get that out into the ether. Trump says it on the stump, so that makes it, a, you know, well, it makes it a much more um, potent kind of thing with all this free media he's getting. But I really believe Roger Stone is very, very, I mean, he quit the campaign on an official basis, but I think he's right. there, absolutely. That's the mystery, uh, to promote his book and maybe to be a shadow advisor. But yeah. I just think a lot of this is Trump's gut instinct, too. That, too, yeah. The timing, but the guy is just... Brilliant. And what he does is he says what's on people's minds, but just as you said, Digby, they're mm-hmm. afraid to say or it's whispered, but he just announces it from the top of the mountain and gets a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. And then is and the other thing that really impresses me about the guy is that he's able to keep his cool, even under fire from journalists who are, of course, going after him with kid gloves because they don't want to be boycotted by him or have their networks or debates the network sponsor boycotted by him. But 
But he's even under fire. He just always maintains his cool, which I'm sure is not normal Donald Trump. But I think that has helped with his favorability, well, too. So let, he's let, a force to be reckoned with. Let, well, he certainly is, Fred. And let me say this, because uh, in response to your earlier thing, you said that you thought it might have been wishful thinking uh, when, when Heather and I were saying that, no, this guy is for real. Donald Trump is for real on day one. The reason I said it and and I, th- I think I speak for Heather as well, is not because what you suggested that, oh, he's very good at going after other candidates. He's very good at speaking to today's, what has become of today's Republican Party, which is essentially the Fox News Party. He speaks exactly to what Fox News listeners want to hear. Doesn't matter whether it's true or not, but it is what Fox News listeners have been told over and over and over and over again, not just Fox News, but also right-wing talk radio. And he is basically echoing everything they have heard on those media now for years. And he's willing to say it out loud and, and do away with the, uh, you know, the, the, the niceties. But he speaks to what has become of the Republican id, in, uh, in my opinion. And uh, as we had discussed on, on that very first day that he came in, he said out loud what all of these people were thinking. And, yeah, well, I had one more thing to say about yeah, that. Um, you know, between Trump and Cruz, they both seem to be fighting for the the right r- fringe and and the base. But it seems like, as you say, Trump is doing a much better job uh, as a showman of saying what's on people's minds and doing it in an entertaining way. Uh, but with with Cruz, however, when I talk to my relatives in Texas, they are all very much in support of Cruz. So it, how will that play? Will the birther issue actually play with the base? It's pretty entertaining. I, you know, we're going to see what Iowa thinks of him. And with that 93 percent of the caucus goers and the Republican caucus are white. So I don't know how that's going to play, but I think a bigger issue could be this Goldman Sachs. They said last night a million-dollar loan. I want to look into that Mm -hmm. because he claims his assets were liquid. Well, if your assets are liquid, you're not going to take out a loan against them from your wife's employer, and that is as illegal as it gets for a federal campaign. He could give 2500 bucks when he ran for Senate. No corporations, period. But you can't get a million-dollar loan or hundreds of thousands of dollars in a loan that he then puts directly into the campaign. So that could be a real uh, Pandora's box. Uh, you know, I, I just don't see how uh, campaign finance issues, and I know and, and it was supposedly New York Times reported it was a half a million dollars. I just don't see how campaign finance issues go anywhere anymore because there's so much money in the system. There's a broken uh, Federal Elections Commission uh, who, who is not going to take any action on any of this until way down the road. But it'll be interesting. It came up very briefly last night. What came up for much longer was this fight between Ted Cruz uh, and Donald Trump when he went after Donald Trump for what he described as New York values. And, uh, well, Donald Trump played the 9-11 card in response. Senator Cruz, you suggested Mr. Trump, quote, embodies New York values. Could you explain what you mean by that? You know, I think most people know exactly what New York values are. I am from New York. You're from New York, so you might not. But I promise you, in the state of South Carolina, they do. And, And listen, there are many, many wonderful, wonderful working men and women in the state of New York. But everyone understands that the values in New York City are socially liberal or pro abortion or pro gay marriage. And, and I guess I can, can frame it another way. 
Not a lot of conservatives come out of Manhattan. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, conservatives actually do come out of Manhattan, including William F. Buckley and others, just so you understand. Because he insulted a lot of people. I've had more calls on that statement that Ted made. Uh, New York is a great place. It's got great people. When the World Trade Center came down, I saw something that no place on earth could have handled more beautifully, more humanely than New York. And everybody in the world watched, and everybody in the world loved New York and loved New Yorkers. And I have to tell you, that was a very insulting statement that Ted made. Heather Digby Parton, uh, softball to you. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think, again, this is, this is, there's more to this substance. The subtext here that I think people may realize. First of all, that Ted Cruz, I don't know if he knew that Donald Trump was going to come back with that uh, 9-11 thing, but I don't think it matters. Ted Cruz wasn't talking to people who are going to be uh, offended by this charge of New York values. Kellyanne Conway, who is a very uh, high-level Republican strategist pollster, she runs one of Ted Cruz's super PACs. Mm -hmm. They polled throughout Iowa and South Carolina that question and they know exact they knew exactly what they were saying when they said it it is a way of saying back to uh, Donald Trump what Donald Trump was saying to Ted Cruz he's not a real American New York isn't real America real America are the rural Republican voters in Iowa and South Carolina and I, you know, I don't know if it will work, but I understand why he did it. It it makes sense. And then you know, I thought it was actually fairly clever that he threw um, Trump's line back in his face, saying there aren't a lot of conservatives that come out of Manhattan. That is directly there aren't a lot mm. of evangelicals who come out of Cuba. Oh, that was yeah. it was it was an absolute mirror That's of right. the statement. Um, and you know, I think Trump had a good moment there, and I think certainly the national audience, people like us, you know, we watch it and we're kind of you know, and everybody's oh, New York, it was so you know, uh, I, I mean, you know, it, it gives us a, a a warm feeling to have someone defend New York in that situation, and you know, and this goes back on the Republican side, this goes back a way long ways. I'm sure you remember this, Fred. San Francisco values uh, that was the a line that Jean Kirkpatrick used in the '84. Republican convention when she she was saying San Francisco Democrats and she said it over and over and over again uh, uh, using it as an epithet and I think everybody knew what she was talking about she was 1984 think of the time period we're talking about hippies and gays basically that was what she was saying mm -hmm. and using this as a way to insult the Democratic Party for having these liberal values so Trump was sort of echoing that and I think that's been an ongoing feature of the culture war the city mice versus the country mice and, you know, the rural uh, Republicans versus the big city uh, Democrats. And he was basically trying to throw Trump into that category. And, and it's true that he made the media mad. Everybody in media was just, you know, screaming bloody murder. How dare you, Ted? The front page of the, da the New York Daily News today is... Yeah. What, what was it? Well, you it's know? it dropped dead Six, Ted, and it shows the, uh, the it shows the Statue of Liberty giving him the finger, giving uh, him the finger, I, I, right? I, I, you know, so everybody, I, you know, it's that Pauline Kale thing, right? You know, I don't know a single person who thinks Ted Cruz was right about that. Dave so, Weigel, on the other hand, who's following the the race, uh -huh. he's down in South Carolina. He said every, he has, he said today that every single 
person that he talked to in South Carolina thought that Ted Cruz's insult to Donald Trump was the highlight of the debate. They so, loved yeah, it. They I got to get. I got to get to a break here, Fred. I want to get your thoughts uh, very quickly. Uh, who wins that debate? The New York values insults or the 9/11 card? Ultimately, at least in, amongst Republican voters. I think in the early states, it's a winner for Cruz. Wow. Really, you can. It's now fair game to insult New York City once again. It's not New York City. It's that he's a liberal. He's a you know a liberal in conservative clothes or whatever. And that that's uh, I think if you go to the core of Trump, that's his you know his social network uh, mm-hmm. candidates he supported. He's he's reinvented himself, and he learned in eleven years of number one rated reality TV just how to do it. And uh, and I guess he, uh, he was never going to win uh, New York State anyway. So go after the New Yorkers. <laughs> I got to get to a quick break. Uh, we'll be back with our final segment, our special coverage of the GOP debate, the latest one out of South Carolina with my guests Heather Digby Parton and Fred Carger. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> If we elect Hillary Clinton, the next four years will be worse than the last eight, and our children will be the first Americans ever to inherit a diminished country. It's the end of the world as we know it. Welcome back. It may be the end of the world, but it is the Bradcast with Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Our last few minutes of our uh, GOP debate coverage. Uh, with a de- uh, Democratic debate uh, uh, coverage coming up, I think, in our next thrilling episode. My guests, Heather Digby Parton of Salon and Fred Carger, uh, Republican political consultant and uh, formerly a uh, 2012 presidential candidate uh, on the Republican Party. OK, guys, we've talked a lot about Ted, uh, Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, uh, but I want to hit a couple of other uh, points here very quickly. Here was uh, John Kasich, governor of Ohio. Here was his response as to whether Bernie Sanders, as they love to call him, a self-avowed socialist, could actually be the nominee. So what does it say about our country that a candidate who is a self-avowed socialist and who doesn't think a 90 percent tax rate is too high could be the Democratic nominee? Well, if that's the case, uh, we're going to win every state if Bernie Sanders is the nominee. That's not even an issue. Okay, well, the polls seem to show otherwise, seem to show Bernie Sanders beating pretty much every single Republican uh, uh, candidate and beating them by larger digits than Hillary Clinton. Fred Carger, is there really the belief around there that uh, do, do they really do Republicans really want uh, B- Bernie Sanders to be the nominee? Or is that, uh, oh, please don't throw us in the briar patch? I'm sure even ahead of Hillary, he would uh, be resoundingly defeated. He's just a little too far left of the American public. Uh, Heather, your thoughts? Well, I don't know. I, I you know, I suspect I, I'm sort of a believer in the sort of you know, structural, you know, kind of thing on this, where whoever is the nominee probably has a a pretty similar base as anyone else who would be the nominee of the the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, you know, I think it's a hill to climb for sure. Um, but, you know, Hillary's got her hill to climb as well. I mean, we're, we're uh, I've said this before, but it, it remains kind of shocking to me that the Democrats are actually running a socialist and, a, and the first woman to ever be uh, nominated for president if she does get nominated. I mean, mm-hmm. these are things that I just would never have <laughs> thought were possible. So, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Okay. I, I honestly don't. Is the first Jewish nominee for president, that too. too. 
Yeah. Well, see, there you go, Carger, playing the Jew card. I got it. All right. <laughs> I, I, I hear what you just did. Uh, l- let's go to uh, uh, Jeb Bush. Well, here's was asked. Well, here you go. Here, here's uh, Jeb Bush. Yes, he's still in the contest. The idea that somehow we're better off today than the day that Barack Obama was inaugurated president of the United States is totally an alternative universe. The simple fact is that that uh, the world has been tor- torn asunder. And for the life of me, I have no understanding why the president thinks that everything is going well. Okay, uh, Fred Carger, really, really, Jeb Bush, uh, the the world was doing better in 2008. Is this even feasible, even in the Republican Party uh, as a line? It's just very hard for me to watch Jeb Bush. He's such a disappointment. It's it's uh, he's a far cry from his father and brother, and he's been a total bust and going through all that money and going nowhere and as trump said you know if i had 56 million dollars he pulled some random guy out of the audience he said i could make you five percent and jeb bush has it <laughs> he spent it and he's at three so it's just painful to watch he's just pulling at straws grasping at straws and just not doing well at all and you know, may get a little life in New Hampshire, but uh, I think the public's already kind of ruled on him. Heather, does the uh, uh, Republican base believe, really, that things were better in in 2008? Is their memory that short? I, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, the, the, <laughs> this ongoing kind of, you know, outburst about how the world is worse than it's ever been. The United States is, you know, Trump's book is called Crippled America. You know, that we are in the absolute worst doldrums we've ever been in. We're a weakened, vulnerable state. We're absolutely, you know, it's, I don't, I feel like I'm living in an alternate universe. I mean, America has problems, but the last I heard, if you were a Republican, you damn well better love America, baby. You know, love yeah. it or leave it. Yeah, and you... suddenly here, it's like, you know, <laughs> they're talking about America like it's a third word world hellscape and uh, i just i don't recognize this it's a very strange phenomenon you had donald trump actually saying america is stupid called uh, america a stupid country all right last one of the night uh, by special requ- request of fred carger uh <laughs> since i want to remember remind everyone that he yes he's still in this race dr ben carson I don't even know what the hell he was asked about, but here's what he said. War is very different than it used to be before. Now we have dirty bombs, and we have cyber attacks, and we have people who will be attacking our electrical grid, and they can do these things simultaneously. And we have enemies who are obtaining nuclear weapons that they can explode in our exo-atmosphere. They explode the bomb, we have an electromagnetic pulse, they hit us with a cyber attack simultaneously, and dirty bombs. Uh, Can you imagine the chaos that would ensue at that point? He needs to recognize that those kinds of things are in fact an existential threat to us. There you go, a late night science fiction picture show. Can I just say that, you know, when you actually speak with scientists, they say that, oh, you know, that EMP thing, the electromagnetic pulse, theoretical, nobody's ever actually done it, Uh, you know, so he might have a point there, but Calling that an existential threat and not, say, climate change an existential threat to me is a problem. And by the way, climate change did not come up at all, of course, in this debate. (laughs) Fred, are you worried about the uh, existential threat of an electromagnetic pulse? You know, by the way, if they had a rock, if they had uh, nuclear weapons and they had a rocket, you would think they would do better to, you know, just sort of shoot it at uh, New York or L.A. rather than into the sky and hope it stops the anyway. Yes, Fred. Ben Carson took that trip to the Middle East to try and have some uh, foreign policy credentials, and he, 
he's now kind of parroting whatever his crazy major campaign <laughs> chair is telling him to say and has no idea what he's talking about and repeats himself as the buzzwords down. And it's just, it's, uh, it's just, I'm basking in the glow of his uh, constant uh, low poll number. So hope he'll be off that stage very soon. Well, that's just because you don't take the threat against the U.S. Uh, uh, seriously, Fred Carter. Uh, Why do you hate America so much? Exactly. Uh, you, you have any, anything you can offer us on that, uh, Heather? You know what? I don't, you know, all I know is that something very weird is happening in the Ben Carson campaign. All these people are quitting. We don't really know why. There's some insight. There's going to be a great story that comes out of this when all is said and done, because there's some, been some very, very weird stuff. Lots and lots of money exchanged, and nobody knows really what, what the meaning of all this is. So no. it's, uh, it's very, very, um, it's very interesting. He's the real grifter campaign of this. Yep of this cycle, and uh, and there's a lot of money that's gone through. I mean, what is he? Yep. He's raised like $30 million. Yeah. A lot. Yep, and, um, uh, that, and that all went somewhere, and there was a yep. lot of money, and I think last time uh, we, we talked, I, I was saying over and over again, I don't understand this Ben Carson thing. How is he doing so well? Well, that's over. He's plummeted. He's done. Uh, he may be launched into outer space for, uh, to, to protect <laughs> us against an EMP. I got to get out. Uh, thank you guys as ever. Heather digby Parton of Salon and Digby's Hullabaloo. Check out her work at Salon and at digbysblog.blogspot.com and, of course, on Twitter at Digby56. And, of course, uh, check out Fred Carger and his documentary film, Fred. You can follow him on the Twitters as well at Fred Carger and, I think, fredcarger.com. Is that right, Fred? That's it. Thanks, guys. Greatly appreciated as ever. Great to have you with us. Look forward to doing it again soon. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And you can find me and follow me on the Twitters and the Facebooks at the Brad Blog. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, and, of course, our guests, Heather Digby-Parton and Fred Carger. We will see you soon. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.